Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MA4 Money Show, episode 51. In this show, we will review UFC Vegas 7, Munoz versus Edgar, and preview UFC on ESPN plus 33, Vegas 8 if you're feeling froggy, Smith versus Rackick. I am Bob Voss, your favorite guards right at MMA State of Mind on Twitter, here with Mike Copenhaver. You can find him at Don't Cope, Just Win. Also, follow the show at MMA4 Money Show. It shares out this live link as well as plenty of other stuff along with the show. Mike, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I couldn't be doing better, man. After last weekend's MMA for Money team, just extravaganza. Uh, the man himself, MMA for Money Prime, hit four NASCAR races in a row. I mean, it's just like something out of a genie's bottle. Like you couldn't even you couldn't even wish for the amount of units that he pulled through. Um, in between that and then our Frankie Edgar pick hitting, I mean, it was just hats. It was just an amazing weekend. Well, to give him a proper shout out, we got the exact numbers for you over the course of nhl thus far he is plus 20.3 units and that's one unit bets per her and 22.3 for those four winners on nascar you got to go to the the site at ma4money.com and get you one of those packages he just he's a money-making machine it doesn't make sense i don't get it it's borderline witchcraft. I don't know, but it just keeps happening. I just keep seeing them, and I am aghast at what we do. And like Mike said, along with our Edgar win, that if you listen to the show, you learned about the disrespect. Well, we're going to get into the disrespect a little bit later. And you know what? We have a surprise addition to the show at the end, so make sure to stick around. We've had a little bit of rumblings in there, and if you, depending where you're paying attention, you already know what the surprise is, but you know what? For those of you live, you're about to find some great stuff. Well, you know what? The MMA4 Money Show is here live right now on Twitch, Periscope, and YouTube. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, RSS Feed. We are also on YouTube, both here live and as well as after the fact and full-length shows as well as smaller tidbits to get your quick fix subscribe and never miss a show like comment and share and please spread the word now we are going to review some stuff also you know we're going to review a little bit of bellator 244 although we didn't have a bet on it we had a heavy heavy lean and that one came through so no bet on it kind of regretting that now but you know we were right we were right on all the three we broke down so all three but all, all three. three not just one not two all three if you just yeah. parlayed them you just killed well, I don't know. Those first two were uh, pr- pretty steep odds. But, you know, the, the, the main event made it because that was dog money. But uh, Julia Budd won a unanimous decision over Jesse Miley at the plus 500. She looked decent. She looked rusty. But you know what? She's been out a while recovering from that cyborg beating. Um, Roy Nelson lost to Valentin Moldovsky. Well, he was a minus 1,000 favorite. So rightfully so, he won that. Mike, anything on those two before we go into the main event that we called before jumping into the ufc fights uh no not on, the, not on those two but the the main event on that one was a lot more fun oh yeah okay ryan bader we talked about this beforehand there's not many fighters that i can call their fights pretty much to a t like i've said in his entire ufc and bellator run in all of those fights i have missed two in all of them and 
This is not one of them because you know what? We said, even though he was minus 150, that this Vadim Namkov that he was fighting at plus 130 was the toughest test he was going to fight at 205 in Bellator. This was going to be his first time dropping down to light heavyweight since 2017. He's been at heavyweight in both their Grand Prix and winning their championship. And you know what? Nemkov came after came after him early and he was strong and at one point hit it got a TKO starting with a head kick and then punches Bader's been finished before this was rough and it's one of those weird spots because he was double champ so you know what he lost his belt but he's still heavyweight champ Mike talked to me about that main event and just how great Vadim Nemkov looked literally the entire time getting a little bit of vengeance for his uh, mentor Fedor there yeah, I mean, well, if you listen to last week on the podcast, I pretty much called it to a T. I mean, I said it, it was pretty much going to be like uh, when he fought Anthony Rumble Johnson. Um, it, it wasn't exactly the same, but in the sense of once he he couldn't get that takedown, he was going to get battered, and he sure did. Uh, it was a, definitely a great underdog pick, uh, you know, for anyone who bet it. I, I thought that it was bait on Ryan Bader with that line. You know, anyone with that much experience, I, I said it should have been, you know, negative 260, 280. But uh, not when they see some, uh, you know, something in the prospect coming up in Nenkov. I'm actually super excited to see him. I, I think that he's he might be the you know top five best heavyweight or uh, light heavyweight in the world. Now, with that, as sad as that is, he's still a heavyweight champion. And although it does seem very much on point and a little bit karma, the fact that every time another organization or somebody goes in on them being the world's best or the new this or the new that, that they falter. And that was right after Bellator went on and on and on about since John Jones was moving up to light heavyweight, that Bellator had the best light heavyweight division. And in the very fight that weekend, their light heavyweight champ lost. So that was a bit rough. Um, and if you don't know that bit of news, there you go. A little bit of breaking news for you if you're staying away from Twitter for the last seven days or so. But John Joe's moving up to heavyweight, finally. Um, jumping into the UFC on Vegas 2, Munoz versus Edgar. Bear with me as some of this stuff is going to be a little bit tricky to explain given how many replacements and cancellations there were. It kind of just seems to be what we're dealing with in these times but uh first off mark Strigel was gonna fight oh but then he was out and he was replaced by trevin jones who was the plus 470 underdog versus timor valiev who we liked a lot but it was so steep we stayed away it was crazy timor looked amazing early borderline 10-8 first round and then jones came back big in the second getting a tko starting with a right hook and then following up with ground and pound um this one was a little rough uh, as well as some other ones later on the card when you see that like Timor, although he was all action, had hurt uh, Trevin Jones to the body a number of times and almost for sure dropped him once and almost a second time. And then in the second round, Jones came back in a major way and got the finish. And it kind of seems to be the theme of this card. We'll bring it up a few more times where the ref did not stop it in the first fight in the first round when one guy looked very close to being finished but in the second round the moment things started to look a little bit hairy called it even though Tamor was advancing and trying to get out of it the entire time even though he was rocked trying to gain position and kept moving well before he was even tapped on the shoulder i'm not complaining we didn't bet on this i just it was a very interesting aspect of this fight card i know we're going i'm going deep on the first fight of the fight card so i'll throw it to mike to talk about this fight mike how'd you feel about our original hot prospect, Tamur Valiev. I will prospect. He's been in the game for a while, but Tamur Valiev in his UFC fight, kicking off the fight card. Well, I'm super thankful that we didn't get a line to bet him on this fight because I would have, I would have lost my ass, I would have lost my house, I would have lost my Rolex, I would have lost everything on this dude. I, I thought Tamir was way the way better um, martial artist 
especially versus a late a last minute replacement. But if you watch the fight, I mean, he had Trevin Jones hurt so bad. I I, I thought Trevin Jones he was going to quit at one point because of the way that uh, uh Tamir was hitting him. But uh, you know, that's what shows you. You know, heart means more than skill sometimes in the sense of uh, in those later rounds. And uh, Jones was a uh, pretty crafty to come through and uh, as a pretty good size underdog. Next up, Matthew. Smellsberger, the slight underdog, beat Carlton. What a terrible Minus. name. God. Definitely. Uh, beat Carlton Minus, who was the favorite given the last name. So I guess that tracked, although he lost unanimous decision. I don't know. I don't, I don't got much on this fight. I wasn't overly impressed by either. Um, Mike, anything quick on this one, or we'll move on to more entertaining fights. No, I'm, I'm still disgusted by his last name, dude. That was just crazy. <laughs> so in the next one, again, a little bit of explanation. So Jorge Gonzalez was going to fight Ike Villanueva. Okay. Jorge Gonzalez then was out of the fight, and Jordan Wright was stepping in to fight Villanueva. Um, Jordan Wright got the doctor stoppage win, but don't let that think it was, a, it was, an, it was just a, a random punch or a random lucky this that ended it. He was taking it to Villanueva. He started with like a spinning heel kick that landed flush, sent it, Villanueva down. Villanueva came up. He was taking it to him in the clinch, opened up a cut over the eye, right in the bad spot. Everyone knows where that is, right there. It was going directly into the eye, and they called it. Jordan Wright gets the win. Uh, looked phenomenal. I mean, you didn't know, obviously, a short, uh, late replacement fight, fighting up a weight class at 205. I believe he's a 185-pounder. At the very least, he weighed in at 200 and looked like he had a little bit more he could have done. He looked great. No telling what he would have done in the later rounds, but you know what? He gets the win, and I look forward to watching the Beverly Hill Ninja going forward. Mike, what do you got for this fight? Do you like the doctor stoppage, and how would you feel about the performance? Uh, I mean, I, I thought the doctor stoppage was justified. If you look at the performance, I mean, he he was getting pretty much uh, battered and outclassed uh, in in every way. Uh, it, you know, for a late minute fight, I, it was pretty impressive. So I, I can't wait to see where he settles in in the UFC or what weight class. Next up, the fight that we are both happy that we avoided. <laughs> um, we have both talked about how we like Austin Hubbard in this spot. Uh, we like his team at the dog money. It seemed pretty good. Initially, this was also going to be a bet for me on this fight card. But there's a few people that we will refuse to bet if certain other people back them. And this was the case in this fight. Very happy we didn't keep up with it because you know what? Joe Selecki was minus 140. He got the rear naked choke in the first round. But it wasn't just that. He hopped on Hubbard's back early, made him carry his weight, and got a standing rear naked choke Hubbard didn't go out. I mean, he was in a bad spot, but for the majority of the round was just carrying the weight of Joe Selecki. And then when it, the moment it got tight, he tapped out. So I don't know. Uh, I guess as good as I thought Hubbard was, he's not quite up to par. But I don't know. Mike, uh, take me through just the feeling of having someone on your back for the better part of three minutes and trying to defend a rear naked joke like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, versus a guy like Joe Selecki, whose jiu-jitsu is uh, super sharp and he trains with some really well-rounded guys. Uh, when you when even if you have someone on your back for a minute, I mean it gets uh, pretty really exhausting. Um, you know the, the whole time they're just uh, basically fighting. You're doing a hand fighting, you know, trying to keep them from being able to slip it under your chin. Um, and it, it's basically you know if you have a good jujitsu practitioner on your back and they got a body triangle locked in, it's pretty much a matter of time before they get that rear naked choke because they're going to be able to, especially in MMA throw punches to you know daze you and confuse you a little bit so you could switch arms and end up switching uh choke arms uh for the what slipping it under their chin so 
um, you know, it, it was, I'm so glad we didn't bet it. Uh, thank God that uh, you know, Brandon Schaub uh, ran his mouth about Hubbard and uh, otherwise I would have probably bet it more. So thank God we didn't touch it. And uh, I, we picked Joe Selecki after that. And there she blows. Uh, the next fight. This goes why I don't bet a lot of WMMA fights is I, I, I don't always have the best comparison in terms of past competition and whatnot. And I say that because I liked Inouye quite a bit. Wasn't going to better. A little bit too steep for me. And I figured it was going to be close. Mike from the get go said that he liked Amanda Lemos and at the underdog plus 120. Mike, I'm not sure if it was just a pick or you eventually bet your own later, but she won the unanimous decision. So by all means, gloat. <laughs> uh, no, need, no need to gloat against my teammate. It was uh, it's just the size. There's a size thing, and uh, no disrespect to the Asian population, but um, whether it's a, a guy from America, our, uh, that's a man at 31, or a guy from Japan uh, that's 31, or a guy from another part of China, or etc. Usually, we, we have the size advantage and and the the strength, and so in this situation, uh, you know, uh, she is. Used to fighting at atom weight, I believe, at the 105. She's smaller all the time. Uh, I just really thought it was going to be a bad situation for her in, in every situation because she's not more deadly striking. She's not more deadly on the ground. Um, she definitely has a lot of heart, though, and she definitely didn't just give this fight away. So uh, hats off to her for being undersized and still uh, having the heart to I mean, make it through. Next up kind of goes back to what I brought up earlier with of the Valley of Fight. So, okay, so Sato was supposed to fight Daniel Rodriguez. And then Sato was deemed unfit to compete. So Dwight Grant hopped in. And Dermot, I'm fast-forwarding through a lot. Like there were a bunch of other fights that were supposed to happen that got canceled. And then they made an ad hoc fight card between like three or four different fights. But we ended with Dwight Grant versus Daniel Rodriguez. And Dwight Grant was looking good early. He absolutely was. Put uh, Daniel Rodriguez on his butt and was really taking it to him. And then there were spots where he looked like, in my opinion, took way more damage than Dwight Grant did later, but then came back and ended up getting a TKO against Dwight Grant. I think the majority reason for that is uh, he for sure dropped Dwight Grant against the cage. Dwight Grant got immediately up and then almost got sent back down to his knees immediately again. And that was right when the ref came in and went. Even Although in the dominant position on top earlier, Grant, I think, was landing more punishing blows. It was just that dip in the body posture that the ref ended up calling it. And like we had said, we liked the Rodriguez guys, but there was a reason we were going to bet him at these steep prices. And this fight kind of displays that. So, Mike, how did you feel about the very exciting but very quick one-round fight between Daniel Rodriguez versus Dwight Grant? Um, yeah, man. I mean, well, this one was action packed for that first round, and uh, uh, Grant looked really good. I, 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 a lot better than I thought, especially at the number that they gave him. And so we, we were big fans of Rodriguez, both the Rodriguez guys on this card, and both them ended up getting TKO KO finishes, which is uh, pretty good for us sniping them in the sense that we knew that they were going to win. Uh, we just didn't want to lay down the chalk on them. At, I think it was negative two ninety or whatever the number was. But uh, it, it's pretty impressive, man, because both these guys got rocked, and and they were throwing some big haymakers and. Um, Rodriguez is a super impressive man. I I just it, it's fun to see guys that bang and then do these fin have these finishes because we have so many guys who just uh don't go for broke and uh you know decisions are their wins but they're they're definitely not exciting. Yeah, this Rodriguez. Although I do not know what the final odds were versus Grant. I know against Sato he was listed as minus one eighty five. 
And obviously, there's two Rodriguez on the card, both coming you know off over think, two to one. I, think I was actually uh, flipping the odds with the other Rodriguez. Oh yeah, with Mike Rodriguez. Yeah, I think yeah. he closed. Mm-hmm. He closed at minus two thirty-five. But I think at one point, you're right. I think he was closer to minus two ninety. Speaking of going for broke, in uh, the very next fight, uh, Maria Agapova was a gigantic minus twelve favorite against Shana Dobson, who she should have destroyed. Absolutely should have. But she went 100% off offense with zero defense. And although won the first round, I mean, there were some hinky spots in there, but like landed more, uh, had a dominant position on top at one point, even though Shane Dobson did as well, finished uh, the tail end of the round with a submission attempt. She gassed herself so hard going into the second that Shana had control. Uh, had uh, an armbar attempt, although I may be mixing that up with part of the first round. Either way, she was on top at one point and ended up finishing it with TKO ground and pound, mainly because Agapova wasn't moving. She basically had one hand on the side of her head, laying down, not moving. Granted, a lot of those shots were to the back of the head, but she did nothing to advance or defend or anything other than just lay there. And then when they stood her up, she was on wobbly legs, not because she was concussed, but because she was just that gassed. So a lot of parlays that we had her in it were completely destroyed and kudos to Shane Dobson. She stays in the UFC, uh, even though she has like a break even record at this point. Mike, how'd you feel about, uh, Agapova completely laying an egg? Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't fucking believe that this fight, uh, ended the way it did after I, you know, Agapova talked a lot of shit. I believe she even called out Dobson, uh, after a, a, a post fight, um, uh, interview that she did and one of her wins, and, uh, you know, she definitely called for the wrong dog because uh, Dobson, you know, withstood the uh, storm in the first round uh, and, and, you know, had the heart to come back. And she literally, uh, Agapova, turtled up and just went face down on her back, put the arm up to protect the punches. She she quit so badly that uh, it, it's I, I, it, she definitely got broken by Dobson and exposed. Uh, Agapova is not at all what she says that she is and uh, i'm glad that like i said we don't bet on stupid stuff like that uh we never parlay stuff like that and uh thank god we don't give those things out because there's some really good betters who gave that out some of the best uh you know touts in the world supposedly well i will give a kudos to anyone that saw the extreme odds and went with under a round and a half because that one hit and that just reminds me of when uh Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey fought because I had quite a bit on the under in that one, thinking that it was better than the Ronda Rousey straight. and She was going to get her all great. And then when she was getting destroyed, I started freaking out. And I went from freaking out to cheering because then uh-huh. she was getting wobbled in under the one and a half. And then she ended up falling and getting finished in under one and a half. And it saved my night because I also had lost quite a bit on uh, uh, Joanna Jojajic to win inside the distance in that one. So yeah, it all balances out. But one of the reasons I stay away from WMMA in, in general in terms of betting. That's why I lean towards Mike in like those close fights with some dog money because he tends to hit those pretty good even on a picking side. Hate to say, oh, no, I was almost to the cancellation. We're not there yet. We got a little bit to go. Um, Mike Rodriguez, the other Rodriguez, was a minus 235 at close versus Marcin Pacino plus 195. Rodriguez got the TKO elbows and punches in the first round. Basically just demolished him in the clinch. It all started with some elbows in the clinch across the side of the head, uh, starting off with some knees earlier, but like really sent for the ground were the elbows and then just, just completely finished him off on the ground. It was beautiful. It was quick. Mike Rodriguez looks good. <laughs> Mike, how do you feel about this, Mike? 
Uh, man, I mean, we were high on him last week. Uh, we felt that he was longer, stronger, uh, more deadly in the clinch situation with knees and elbows. And, I mean, he, he proved it immediately. I wish that we could have gotten, like, uh, just a little bit better price tag. Imagine if we got, like, a negative 180. We would have max bet him for sure. But uh, over here, we're about smart bets and not firing when we're not needed. That's why uh, even when we uh, miss fire, we come back and fire. It hit Stipe, it hit uh, Frankie Edgar this week, and just pad our bankroll again so that we could fire properly. There's no need to stress things or over fire. But I did want to fire hard on uh, Mike Rodriguez. I, I really um, i am high on the kid. I, I think that he's got a lot to offer if he wants to be the best. Next up. We have the bet we gave out on the podcast getting canceled after the COVID positive test on one OSP. OSP was a plus 115 underdog versus Alonzo Menafield. We had Menafield at the minus 135 to win one unit, but it got canceled. This is one of the few fights they weren't able to scrap together to get a replacement for Menafield. So that got scrapped. But one thing we did talk about on the podcast, and we're going to get into that now because we're going to talk about the main event of UFC on Vegas 2 was Pedro Munoz, minus 255, versus Frankie Edgar, plus 215. This was when we did the show. Those were the odds. Now, we talked about a little thing called disrespect, and there are certain fighters that are going to be in close fights. They're going to fight for your money, and when they're fighting against certain guys that they have clear advantages against, there are certain odds that you just you have to bet them. You do. And we talked about if it hit plus 250, we were going to tweet out, disrespect and we were going to count as an official bet on frankie Edgar at the plus 250 well you know what it hit we bet him and frankie got that decision win it was a split it was close i don't think it was a robbery i think it was a close fight there were some clear rounds for edgar and then there was some super close rounds so i mean i was fully prepared to lose this but he showed you why a plus 250 is ridiculous odds to have on him in this fight and you know what, but it went the other way and it hit and we've missed enough split decisions that should have gone the other way. So you know what, I'm not going to hang around anymore. And honestly, all I'm going to do is fantasize about what would have been if Edgar was fighting at 35 in his prime. Other than that, I'm just going to fade away in all my excitement and with my 2.5 units of profit. Mike, just wax poetic on this main event and give the people just, just some candy for their ears. Yeah, man. I mean, we, we stood it from the beginning that the line was disrespectful, and that was uh, immediately the, the red flag for us to bet this thing. Uh, Frankie, the Nightmare Edgar, I mean, I don't know who was watching the fight, but the, it was clear a clear split decision win for Frankie Edgar. He was clearly had more volume. He clearly had better movement. Uh, Munoz, I, I thought, just was looking for a one-shot knockout punch. He was literally loading up on his right hand every single round relying on a big right hand to end the night that's that's not going to win versus frankie edgar who is a point fighter he's been in there with uh, the best in the world i thought frankie edgar looked absolutely amazing for you know he doesn't he, it's not like he fights a couple times a year anymore um you know he's had a couple of fights versus uh like you know korean zombie i mean you guys go step in there with korean zombie and see your ass get murked bro uh, no, that's nothing against Frankie Edgar, you know, getting a beat by him. So I don't even count that as anything against Frankie when he lost to him because he had the balls enough to go fly over there and uh, fight that bad motherfucker. So um, I, I just love that Frankie Edgar got this win, especially for the podcast, uh, got the 2.5 units for our bankroll so that we could keep on marching and uh, get you guys these wins because we're all about the smart bets and finding you lines that are just not right because our, our boy MMA for Money Prime, he taught us, you know, to look at those the line movement, see when things are off, and uh, fire immediately. 
Now we're going to jump into UFC on Vegas 8. Go right into it. Smith, Smith versus Rakic or Ratchet or at some point I'll learn how to say his name. He needs like two more fights before. I, I want to say I want to say Ratchet like some bitch. Ratchet, <laughs> girl. Which I appreciate. I'm not like I mean like he that should just be his nickname. That should be Alexander Ratchet Rakic. Dude, yeah, that'd be dope. I'm, I'm down the for Ratchet. It. Down. That could be on Ratchet. shirts. Like I'm for it. Yeah. I'll wear a shirt. Although we've talked about before, I'm not allowed to wear MMA shirts anymore. I take it back. I'm not allowed to wear heavyweight MMA shirts again because apparently it's the biggest jinx for fighters who I enjoy. So at least there's only there's not any heavyweights on this fight card, so I don't got to worry about it. Uh, first off, Sean Brady is a huge favorite over Christian Genie in a bottle Aguilera at plus three twenty five. Um, we'll do quick picks for the majority of this fight card. We will start going in depth. Uh, starting with the Mackie Patolo versus uh, Impa Kazagani fight. It's about halfway through. I'm pretty sure that's the first fight of the main card. And then we will hit all those ones on the main card where our bets will reside. Hate to break it to you. They're all going to be on the main card because this is just kind of how this fight card falls. Um, quick pick, Sean Brady. I've liked him. Um, really, the only thing I've liked about uh, Christian Aguilera is his name and the jokes I could make in regards to said name and other famous people with similar names. Um, outside of that, I, I don't got much. I apologize. There's not a huger, a, a bigger breakdown for this particular one. I'll have more later on, but I, I just for me, there's not much here. Uh, there's not a, I, I see where he has this path to victory. He might win, but like, I, I just don't see it. I think Brady's gonna, gonna roll here. Uh, in my opinion, clear decision. So don't start throwing in props here, but pick Brady, obviously minus 400 crazy odds on that one. So bet at your own risk and parlay at your own risk with these big favorites. Uh, Mike, first fight of the card, quick pick, Sean Brady, Christian Aguilera. Yeah, I would pick Sean Brady, uh, but not much invested in this one. I definitely wouldn't fire. Next up, Emily Whitmire, minus 120, someone who we bet against in the past, versus Pollyanna Viana, plus 100, who, if memory serves, we had someone else we have bet on. Didn't we bet her against Cyphers? Yes. So well, there you go. Two, one, uh, one we bet for, uh, for, one we bet against. So where are you going to go with this one? Mike, I'll let you break this one down first. So Whitmire, minus 120, Viana, plus 100. Ah oh, man, uh, we I I like women's MMA, and this is one of those matches where it, it's just uh, it's kind of a garbage MMA match for the UFC. Uh, I I I see that uh, Whitmire is she doesn't she doesn't have very good striking, and so that she's going to rely on her uh, her jujitsu, and it it's just it's not going to fare well for her because the I think she's going to be outmatched on the ground, and it's going to end up. Uh, having her scrambling in every position and end up losing a decision. So I, uh, I definitely would, would not back Whitmire here at the favored money. Yeah. Um, this is a rough one. Uh, I've liked Viana, but going with three straight losses in here against, I mean, decently bigger names. And I was wrong. We lost on her cause we, we had better against Cyphers and Cyphers ended up winning. Sorry. I was just, double checking that so you know what uh but whatever she has i think do think she has a better chance of winning here she has she has more experience uh i like her striking i think it's coming along um i mean i mean whitmire lost to rebus which isn't a terrible thing i mean she's lost to people that are better on the ground than her and because it's her go-to so if she gets beat there it's kind of like kind of where it ends um this these these close 
uh, WMMA fights, I tend to stay away because it's harder for me to see the intangibles here. That's why usually on these, if you notice on the show, this is where I lean a little bit heavily towards Mike because he's a little bit, he's these close ones, he's good at calling. Uh, I'm good when there is a clear advantage one way or another, but you don't tend to hit those extreme disparities until you get to the top seven to eight of the division. And that's not really where we're at here. Um, so I'll just uh, parrot Mike and uh, say Viana at the slight, well, even plus 100, but like dog money. Uh, next up, this is an odd quick pick. Uh, just I think you texted me about two hours ago that uh, Giga Chikadze is out of this fight against Alex Caceres. He was a minus 250 favorite versus Caceres. Caceres plus 215. Now we have this Kevin Kroom coming in who has some names on his record. Most of them are losses, um, getting finished by a lot of them. He comes across. He is powerful. He will throw bombs. He has over 30 fights, but has lost 12 of them. <laughs> Caceres can dance around and out-volume him, and if he's smart, can win. But as said on this podcast, I believe in the past, it's hard to trust Alex Caceres to fight smart. So I'd be interested to see what the odds are when they're released. Obviously, they are not out yet. I have periodically been checking best fight odds to see if any odds drop. I will continue to do that uh, the remainder of the show, just to at very least give them to you guys as early as you are either watching the show live or watching after the fact. But um, you know, I'm going to go with Alex Caceres, just UFC experience, uh, high-level experience. And if he does fight smart, I think he can easily outstrike his way at least like parry and counter his way to a three round decision. Mike Caceres versus Kroom. Yeah. I mean, with all these, uh, the switching and stuff, uh, it's a hard to say, but, uh, Caceres has way too much experience. He's fought in the streets, fought in the ring, an octagon. Uh, I think that he's just going to be able to overwhelm the, the, uh, Chrome. Next up one man who I used to call the dark horse at one seventy. um, Zach Cummings, back when he was in the the Ultra Fighter House, excuse me, he's minus one hundred five against Alessio Di Chirico, minus one fame, one minus one fifteen, the lesser of the Italian prospects. No offense to him, I just think Marvin Vittori is my guy of the the uh, the Italians coming in, but Alessio is good. Um, Cummings is fading. He has a lot of miles on him. He used to be known for his gas tank, be able to put volume on him volume on you be able to push you back had a little bit of power nothing crazy he was he was good and solid everywhere and i know those aren't good descriptors of a fighter in general but he was like if you're doing your build a fighter on i don't know it's been a while since i played any of the uh ufc video games back when i used to play them and you would build a fighter you only have a limited amount of things to give in each category and he's literally if you put the exact same amount in each category he is perfectly adequate and decent at everything. But you know what? He is 36. He's now up a weight class at middleweight. His best days are behind him at 170, but he started taking on some serious damage. He's dealing with a bigger guy here who has shown some serious growth, in my opinion. I mean, he he didn't okay. He didn't look good against Magmed Muradov, but he had, I mean, had some losses, but I don't, I don't know. This is just as tough. This is gonna be a close one, in my opinion. And I mean, the odds indicate it. And other than fights goes to decision, I'm not sure I would go anywhere else on this. And if you just want a little bit of odds on that, I will look that up while I pass it to Mike. I'll look for the odds go to decision. But Mike, before while I do that, give me some info on Zach Cummings versus Alessio Di Chirico. 
Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I like Dee Carrico on this one. I, I think that Zach Cummings is really flat-footed when he strikes, and I, I just don't, I just don't see him having enough oomph, and uh, it doesn't just doesn't have enough drive anymore, you know. So I just think that Dee Carrico uh, can outmatch him on the ground if uh, in, in situations. Not that he could get a submission, but I, I think it's going to be a decision win for Dee Carrico. I think that he can out volume uh, point fight uh, standing and also can uh, outmatch him on the ground and you know possibly get a finish but i, I think it's going to be a decision win for decrico uh for the fight itself over two and a half minus 235 ghost decision is minus 210 and cheek d sorry say that five times fast uh to win decision is plus 190 so they think he's gonna get the finish here so that that's not too bad there i, I thought that was gonna be closer to even money so hey if you if you really really think he's gonna win the decision that wouldn't be the worst thing next up mallory martin is a minus 325 favorite over hannah cyphers plus 265 and hannah cyphers seems to be trying to do this secret game code where oh. if you fight x amount of times over x amount of weeks you get in- infinity lives where you just stay in the ufc forever but apparently she doesn't know that the new game doesn't have that glitch and she's gonna lose here and then she's gonna get booted that's that's the extent of my breakdown for this fight Mike. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like. Where the hell are the real fights for the women's MMA? I mean, these these, these are garbage. Into Dana White, fighters want to fight. That's why we have uh, the same fighters fighting four times in the last. What's What's really happening is we're getting filler fights because they're trying to have a smaller payroll for the whole card, and they give us these garbage ass garbage can fighters that they could pay freaking nothing just to fill in a time slot. So, uh, this this is retarded i i don't sorry for the word of the retardation but either way it's uh cyphers is she's strong at best you know and uh martin is it's she's martin i I don't know man i don't even know what they're doing with these three women's fights i mean all three of these girls all three matches could fight each other three times in one night and i wouldn't care because no one cares they're 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 garbage none of them are going to be anything not one of them are going to be top 10 they're garbage. I, it's crazy. Like I said, it's just to fill fights. I, I, if I had to pick one, I might lean Cyphers just because she's got more grit. We will eventually get to a WMA fight on this fight card that's worth having. There, because there is one. There's one. And we're going to get to it. Jeez. But you've got to deal with all of this on the way up. Um, next up, we are going to talk about Mackie Patolo, plus 105, a former pick from the show from her bet from the show versus impa kasangane we'll get that right at some point i need to listen to that on the broadcast that was a little tricky for me minus 125 uh we have liked patolo in the past uh first blind picking him uh, i know a fight we didn't know and then after watching becoming impressed with him and then going for it versus a guy that i've been impressed with mike more so than i uh, liked him on Contender Series. He's training with some good guys. It looks like he's getting some rounds in with Vicente Luque. He's training with Barbara Reyna. He's training with Hot Sauce Holtzman, which, like, I, that's just a solid staple of guys to fight and get better with. So he's getting good training partners. And this isn't, like, guys that he has trained with in the past. Like, there's there's pictures of, like, in the last week or two, he's training with these guys. So not exactly following the rules of the pandemic, but you know what? I'm kind of happy for it because I think he is going to be ready for it. He's the better striker he's got more power and like in, in that way i think he's a better chance of finishing and mike i know you were the one that was super high on him that had us doing this breakdown having a bet on this fight so by all means take it away patolo versus kazanene yeah man uh no no disrespect to my boy mackie over there on the islands but uh 
This is a little bit different, man. Uh, Impa is a, he's a tough, tough dude, dude, a, a physical specimen who's going to stand and bang and he's going to end up crushing uh, my Mackie. I, I just don't, Mackie's going to be willing to trade. He's going to be willing to stand there and bang and it's going to be, uh, be a detriment to him. Uh, what were the odds right now, Bob? Um, we have a minus 125 currently for okay. Impa. So yeah, I I will be throwing down the 1.25 units on Impa to just absolutely devastate uh, Mackie. I think that he's just uh, just an absolute specimen standing. He's got so much power. I mean, if you look at the guy's thighs and his lower body, uh, he can just generate so much power. Uh, and he's super agile. So I, I really like this guy Impa. I think that the odds are a blessing uh, in that sense, and that uh, we're gonna just roll here so that 1.25 units on impa to uh, devastate mackie now quickly because i realized a mistake i made before we jump in to the third attempt to make this fight after a crazy initial version of this fight frank live versus Kutalaba, i need to quick make a correction at the beginning of this show i was breaking down how well prime has been doing and i realized i made a mistake i actually downplayed our guy there i had down what he did had done in nhl as of sunday well, it's not Sunday, guys. It's Tuesday. We're live on Tuesday. So he is actually plus 28.65 units on NHL playoffs throughout the entire playoffs. Like, I completely, I, like, I, I feel awful. I took out eight units off the guy just because <laughs> I was going by. I had two numbers written down. I forgot the one I had written down was for Sunday before I got the updated numbers from the man himself. So I apologize. More evidence why you need to go on there and sign up for a package if you want free money because that's basically what it is. Okay, now moving on to the... Third time is a charm. Magomed Ankalaev minus 330 versus Ian Kutalaba plus 265. If you do not recall the first fight, it was Ankalaev putting some serious heat on Kutalaba. Him basically being out on his feet, then the ref breaking it up and stopping it, and Kutalaba complaining that he was totally fine. That he, like, that he was just he was pretending to be getting rocked Bro, and falling down because it was part of his special defense where he was getting Ankalaev to overcommit so he could throw back. I know I don't buy it either, but that was <laughs> so they were going to redo this fight uh, a few weeks back, and then so let me get this straight. Uh, I, I want to put I, I want to pull up the exact date, but I want to say it was two weeks ago when before it got canceled. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, two weeks ago this fight was booked. It got canceled because Ion tested positive for COVID, so either it was a false test. Or dude has bounced back faster than anybody ever, and now he's fighting this weekend against Magomed Ankalaev. Yeah. So um, this uh, my breakdown to this fight doesn't change much, uh, other than the fact that I thought um, if they got into a crazy exchange, Kudalaba might have been able to land something, and there was a chance. But I mean, we if that's going to be a strategy where he feigns getting rocked to throw back and go after Ankalaev, I don't see it. So Ankalaev is probably going to put it on him bad and get the finish here. But I don't know. It might be one of those ones that's almost happened so many times that Inkalive is just burnt out and then ends up being just a terrible fight because that's happened before too. So I'll go with Inkalive, even though he's a huge favorite at the minus 330. But we've basically seen how this fight's going to play out before. Mike, Inkalive versus Kudalaba. Yeah, I mean, th this fight's going to be exciting for as long as it lasts. Uh, both these guys are going to be throwing absolute haymakers and bombs till one of them literally drops and hits the floor. So uh, I I'm going to back Magomed. I think that he's more deadly, He that he's mentally got an edge on uh, Kutlaba now. Uh, I don't want to hear anything about uh, rope-a-doping or that was your defense or et cetera, blah, blah, blah. 
uh, you put yourself in that situation to look stupid and get rocked and to look like you're getting damaged, and uh, the referee's going to stop the fight. So this time, I believe Magomed's really going to damage him and end the fight where the referee won't uh, even need to play a part. Honestly, I, I don't understand Ian Kudalaba because I've liked him for a long time, and I've won money on either side of him. But I know for a fact, obviously, he's a 205-er, came, came in originally as a heavyweight and then dropped down. Like, dude, like me, he's a big, muscular dude. He runs, like, he's run half marathons and full marathons before, and he always gasses out. That's crazy. Like, bad. So I don't know if it's, it's not targeted conditioning or what, but I don't know. He's usually throwing real while in the latter half of the fight, if this one makes it that long. But we're going to move on because, obviously, we have, I think, broken down this fight probably four times given the amount of times it's been canceled, rebooked, and when it actually happened and when we reviewed when it actually happened. So we're moving on. Ricardo Lamas was supposed to fight Ryan Hall, but Ryan Hall is out. So he is fighting Bill Algeo. Ricardo Lamas is minus 260 currently versus Bill Algeo at plus 220. Um, Bill Algeo, his highest highlight reel moment is that he lost to that Brandon Lehane guy on Contender Series that that ariel was obsessed with um that's about all i got for that um i do feel bad for ricardo Lamas because i mean the ryan hall fight was gonna be good for him because he had enough wrestling to possibly keep it off the ground he has good boxing it would have given his chin a rest because obviously cater kind of caved that in um he's getting up there in age for featherweight longtime veteran uh, i'm always gonna root for Lamas. he's a local guy here uh owns the gym a town or so over we have some mutual acquaintances so i mean i know he's still he's the favorite here rightfully so so i'm gonna pick llamas and i'm just hoping he has a really really good out so i wouldn't trust any type of judgment uh, i'm giving here for a bet but uh i'm hoping my boy llamas gets the win here mike llamas versus algio yeah i mean uh th- this is kind of a gift for llamas in my opinion i i think that llamas he's got way more experience he's been there and there with some really really world-class fighters uh, I don't see why he should be losing this fight. So um, the line gets is weird to me. So it, because I feel that way, I feel like the the line should be much higher, right? Like this guy's just getting thrown in versus a Ricardo Lamas who's been in there with top five, top whatever fighters, and he's got only negative two something. It it it, it seems weird. So I don't know who Algio is personally. I I don't know a lot about him. But uh, for them to throw him in this spot and him not get so disrespected on the number uh, worries me a little. So I, I wouldn't bet on uh, Lamas, uh, but I, I think that he should win a decision. Next up, we have the best female fight on the fight card. We talked about there was a good one on here, and here it is uh, for a few reasons. It's actually going to be fairly entertaining. Ji Hyun Kim is plus 260 versus Alexa Grasso minus 320. Uh, Alexa Grasso was early on crowned. They had this wave of uh, Mexican fighters, both female and male, both with the ultimate fighter and just targeting down there for signing to try to bring in that next wave. And a lot of them haven't panned out and they had a lot of early love and money going towards Alexa Grasso. She hasn't quite lived up to it, but honestly, she's lost only in her step ups and in those step ups it's against someone who has a dramatic uh ground advantage on her uh the wrestling is still uh wanting and the downside in her striking is she tends to strike in these exact combinations um where 
they get predictable as the fight goes on and she can start getting hit and they can get disrupted with a strong jab and all of that stuff. But what she has going for in this fight is she's fighting against someone who lost a decision to the lesser of the Shevchenko sisters. So uh, I'm just leaning towards the fact that Grass is going to have the much superior striking here. Um, nothing against Kim. She's a good fighter, but like she can't handle um, an output that Grasso can put on her. Grasso's boxing has always looked good uh, and has shortened up some of her... I'm blanking on the word, but like in, in her in the lesser parts of her game, she's 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 developed them not to the degree you would like to see them, and obviously not to the degree that she's going to be top five in the division even at this point. Um, I think she's kind of stalled in that regard, but this is still under where she is. So I, she's a massive favorite minus three twenty, but I think she gets it here. Um, and honestly, I do think it's going to be a decision. Surprise, surprise. So I will uh, throw it to Mike and give you guys those exact odds. So Mike Grasso versus Kim. Yeah, I mean, I, I've watched Alexa Grasso and Irene Aldana come up uh, in, from their early career, and right when they got in the UFC, I, I kind of had my eyes on them because their their boxing was so clean. Um, and, and then it, they kind of both kind of uh, faltered a little bit. They didn't. They really didn't impress me in the way that they I thought they should have early in their careers. And it was about one or two fights later when um, Irene Aldana really started to turn it on. And I'm still waiting for that for Alexa Grasso. I, I really believe that her hands are, are strong enough and deadly enough to to knock out Kim and to finish her. If she wants to throw hands that are deadly, I don't know if it's because Grasso's a sweet girl. Uh, you know, everyone has different temperaments, and she possibly just might be a sweet person in the sense of like she does she doesn't want to kill. Uh, that could be a detriment to her because she's not going to be throwing enough volume, or she could be gun shy. Uh, I still feel like she's the more dominant fighter, that she has um, the way better boxing than Kim. I don't even think it's going to be close. I also think this is another uh, reference that I talked about earlier about uh, certain uh, ethnicities being bigger than others. Uh, Alexa Grasso is going to have a better, a better gas tank and be thicker, bigger boned, and be able to, I believe, uh, push uh, Kim around a little bit. So I, I'm going to go with Grasso, and I think she's going to be able to uh, win a decision. Quickly, before we move on, Grasso by decision is minus 165. So you're getting her for about half the price that you are straight, which is, is decent. Obviously, What's you a like TKO? TKO, TKO. I got to repill. Oh, sure, after I minimize it, Mike, Sorry, I see bro. how it is. I thought we were all hard. done talking about it. I got to open it up. No, obviously, I'm just still talking to keep away dead air and stall for time. Because if I stall for enough time and just keep words coming out of my mouth, Grasso inside the distance is plus 442. Oh, see, <laughs> like I said, if she turns it on, she could do it on that girl's face. But I, I don't know, man. She, she's going to do that Alrena Aldana thing. And I, when I didn't know, I thought I believed in her, then she didn't do it. And then I didn't believe in her, and then she did it. So this could be the moment where Grasso actually does what I think she could and, and light the girl's face up. It's good. We're just going to ease past the fit part where you said uh, put it on that girl's face. We're going to move right on to the co-main event, and it's Robbie Lawler, who is plus 210 underdog versus Neil Magny. Minus disrespect. 250. Disrespect. This is disrespect round two. Disrespect um, is back. Oh, man. I, I love Magny. Something fierce. I've made a lot of money in on Magny in the past. Like, you don't even – I've been an old-school Magny better on people that just for, always thought he was going to lose. They always thought he was going to lose, and he always came back. He always came back, and – He's finally not going to come back. He doesn't have the chin he once did. He doesn't have quite that. His gas tank is still good. It's adequate. It's not as good as it once was where he keeps pouring it on as the fight goes. Um, just like age is starting to catch up to him. And obviously, 
age is starting to catch up to Robbie Lawler too. And he just had a record set on his face by Colvin Covington. But obviously those aren't the hardest strikes as many anyone else who's fought Colvin Covington would say. But uh, decent layoff between then and now for Lawler. And then the Covington fight was his first fight back after ACL surgery. But Lawler has the wrestling to keep it up top if he needs to because sometimes neil magnum go for a desperation time to take down that's not happening here lawler's not gonna let that happen lawler has the more power manny does have a stiff jab and he will have the reach advantage but as he has the reach advantage he does keep his head up in the air enough that i could see lawler coming over top i think lawler has enough gas tank to put it on but this is like we talked about last time this is at this point in their careers this is a close fight there's a guy that will go out there and fight for your money and has a good chance to get a finish. And that's Robbie Lawler. This is plus 210. This is similar exactly to the Frank Edgar fight we brought up last time and eventually hit. This one, we're not even going to wait till it hits a certain amount. This is plus 210. This is my bet for the fight uh, for the fight card. I'm going with Robbie Lawler, plus 210. That's straight. That's one unit to win 2.1. Just, I think he's he's got that one more in him, man, before he sails off. At bare minimum, he's got that one more in him, let alone if he gets the win here. But Robbie Lawler's going to come in here. He's going to come in here vicious. Sorry, Neil Magny, you've been my boy, but I think you're getting put, your lives are getting put out this time. Mike, co-main event, Robbie Lawler versus Neil Magny. Yeah, man, the disrespect is real. Uh, Robbie Ruthless Lawler is no joke, man. I mean, standing, uh, Neil Magny's not better than him. Uh, on the ground, I, I still don't think Neil Magny's uh, better than him. So I don't really know where Neil Magny has the advantage besides just reach. I know that he's longer um possibly has better cardio but that's that's not going to make his chin durable uh robbie lawler's been training and fighting for uh, his last couple camps versus uh, for wrestlers uh, all the way up to the ben Askren fight so his his wrestling should be super duper sharp uh so his takedown defense is going to be there um i definitely has way way more power in his hands than uh, neil magny does and and I think that the line is super disrespectful. So I love that you uh, picked this fight because a lot of people are uh, the other way, just like they were last week. Uh, people on Munoz, and uh, I, when everyone goes left, I like to go right. So we'll go be right with Bob and put that one unit down on uh, ruthless Robbie Lawler to lay the smackdown on uh, Neil Magny. In the main event, we have Anthony Fresh Veneers Smith at plus two thirty five versus Alexander Rakic. Alexander Ratchet Rackick minus 275. Um, dude, Anthony Smith just got so much damage put on him against Glover. I mean, Dermot, we bet Smith there. I'm not saying we didn't, but we bet him because that was the first time the UFC in a long time was going to do those like five fight cards in a two week stint. And we only had the odds for the main card. And we were doing that one ahead of time. So you guys had enough time to bet on it. So we only had about three fights to choose from, basically. Uh, not to boohoo for us, we more than cover it later on. But Smith looked great early in the first round. He absolutely did. And then he got so much damage put on him by the garage champ. Glover Teixeira and just he knocked teeth out of the guy and there was the huge controversy of his corner better not stop the fight and the ref t- letting him take just an insane amount of damage and I mean Glover used to have some serious power on his feet but even more so like in the ground and pound Smith is now fighting against a guy that has is faster and has more power and will just completely and utterly lay it on you in the worst possible way um i know 
there was the split decision loss to Ozdemir by uh, Rakic. I know like just about every single person I respect scored it for Rakic. So, I mean, that's kind of odd going into it with that. But, I mean, I, this guy's got it, man. I just He's just going to put that pain on Anthony Smith. And at this point, I mean, Anthony Smith, let me look it up. Anthony Smith is a 48-fight veteran. And that's not counting probably another 10 that have not been tallied. So the dude has so much wear and tear on him. 205, he's gotten a little bit of second life. He was a journeyman middleweight that was able to go up to heavyweight. And the, I'm sorry, dude does not throw volume. Well, I know who throws volume? Rackick. And he throws it right at your face and your body, and he's coming for it. So obviously, this is no surprise to just about anybody. There's a reason that Rackick is minus 275. All of that has come down. He was minus 290 when I first made these notes, and he's gone down. Uh, uh, 15 cents there, but I think Rackick's going to win, and he's going to get the win inside the distance. Um, man, is it worth even betting that inside the distance? I can only imagine the odds for that. It's minus 105, so not terrible. It's five rounds to work with, but I'm going to go with Rackick, and I don't know if that inside the distance is plus money. I might put a little bit on there just for my own sanity. So, Mike, main event, Smith versus Rackick. Yeah, uh, uh, Alexander Rakic, as we just uh, named him. I think that, uh, dude, this guy is fucking fire, bro. I mean, he throws kicks with authority. Uh, He throws volume. I mean, this guy is no fucking joke. I mean, uh, Anthony Smith is, like you said, lost teeth. Uh, He's tough as nails. I mean, to me, he's, he's definitely a tough punching bag. He's taken a lot of abuse in all those fights. Like you said, he was dropped down for he was 185. Then he went up in the weight class to try to rejuvenate his career. Now he's fighting guys that were up in their weight class and dropping down to to keep their career just on the course just to be a pro. So I don't like this at all. I think that uh, Alexander is going to absolutely devastate Anthony Smith. I think he's going to batter him uh, from range with and throw just the meanest kicks to uh, Anthony Smith's body, who's already uh, shown vulnerable to body shots. I think that this is a great matchup for uh, Ratchik, and I think that he's going to just absolutely devastate Anthony Smith and and just show the world that uh, we got a new uh, a new guy in the town. Now, for all of you people that have been watching the show, you have some experience with what we're about to bring to you. There's a lot of people out there that are DraftKings fans, and we had a little experience that in recent weeks when I could not make the show. But you know what? We would like to welcome back to the show. Mikey Gills. Follow him at Mikey Gills on Twitter as he has joined the show as our go-to DraftKings resource. He will be joining us at the end of every show to give you a quick DraftKings breakdown or any other feelings he has on the entire card. If he has something, something burning deep inside that we got completely wrong that he disagrees with, by all means, he can throw fire at us. I'm all for that uh, for the breakdowns. Mikey, how are you doing? Uh, not bad. You know, it's uh, I feel like I've been sitting here watching the whole show off the screen. <laughs> I feel like you guys pull me out of the box when you need me. I'm like the gimp from Pulp Fiction, but you know, it's, uh, it's whatever. Uh, you're the surprise in the cake. You, you popped out of the birthday cake and you're just like, hey, I'm here. Yeah, no, for my <laughs> backdrop, I'm going to get that little chain that you guys put on. I might wear something cute. I don't know. Ooh, we'll figure it out. That's perfect. Yeah, week one. I haven't quite got the wardrobe down yet. So That's awesome. So what we're going to do with Mikey, we're going to figure out over the course of the next uh, shows how this is going to look exactly. But as of right now, our plan is we are going to now re-go back through UFC on Vegas 8. It's going to be a little, be a little faster, obviously, than the initial breakdowns because he's looking at it from a DraftKings perspective. And I'm not giving my DraftKings perspective because although I've played it in the past, I'm more of like I'm going to jump in and I'm going to play for like five or six weeks 
maybe make some money. And then as soon as it starts to get on a downtrend, I leave because I'm not good at the multiple lineup deals. I, I throw in a couple, maybe I win, maybe I don't. And then I bounce out. It's not my cup of tea. I'm not, it's, it's not my skill set. So we got someone whose skill set is, is, so this is going to be one way traffic. I'm going to guide it a little bit, but it's mainly going to be there for Mikey Gills over there. So first off the first fight on UFC Vegas eight from the DraftKings perspective, Sean Brady is fighting Christian Aguilera. Yeah, no, right off the bat, we're uh, we're dealing with the biggest favorite on the card in terms of DraftKings prices. You got Sean Brady, 27 years old, 12 and 0, uh, three knockouts, two submissions. He's going for $9,300. Uh, he's one of the best prospects in the welterweight division, as far as I can tell. He's 2 and 0 in the UFC, both decision. This is a guy who knows how to get the win. When he goes after you, he goes in there, he'll take you down, he'll do whatever he wants to do to you. So when you're looking in terms of DraftKings, it's all about scoring points. If you hear somebody might go to decision a lot, you'll think. Okay, well, this guy might not, he might not be a first round knockout guy, which would score you way more points, but that's not the case with Sean Brady. This is a guy who will stay busy when he's on top of you, averages over 100 points a fight. Uh, You know, he's a decision machine, but he's a busy decision machine. And he's going up against uh, Christian Aguilera. I know you made the joke already, but I got, I got to dance on it a little bit. Like (laughs) he's, he's 29, or I'm sorry, 28 years old. So that means he must have been about 10 years old when Christina Aguilera hit the scene. So I know this guy can fight because. Dude, that's got to be awful. Sixth grade me would have been all over this guy just every single day. But, uh, you know, the rap on him, he, uh, he won his UFC debut back in June by TKO. He's three and two in his last five. He's a good technical striker, but he's the kind of guy that he's going to come out throwing, throwing bombs early at you. He's going to try to get you out of there, and then he might tire down a little bit. Um, he's never been submitted before, so that could make the fight a little tougher for Brady in terms of trying to get a finish. But uh if survival's his only game plan that's good enough for me he's a pass for me as an underdog at $6,900 I don't see him having much success in this fight so for me Sean Brady's the only play he's in my core lineup and we'll, we'll get into core lineups and things like that later but Sean Brady 9,300 yeah after we go through everybody Mikey will be able to explain to you guys core lineups and just the ideal place for your lineups obviously you're capped at a certain amount and he'll explain that more as I am I would at best say intermediate in terms of DraftKings. So uh, next up, Emily Whitmire versus Pollyanna Viana. All right, so this is actually my first, uh, the underdog pick on the card. If I'm not mistaken, Viana is actually the favorite in the real fight, but um, on the DraftKings, she's $200 less than Emily Whitmire, which is good because I think she's going to win the fight anyway. 10 and four, six of those coming by way of submission facing facing Emily Whitmire, four and three. All three of her losses are by submission. And then even you go back into her amateur career, she has even more submission losses. Uh, Whitmire was four and four in the amateurs. She's no kind of world beater. When you get Viana, who does have, you know, a legitimate legitimate credential. She's a jungle fight champion down in Brazil. Um, if you believe what the UFC website says, she is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion, although I can't find anything to corroborate that. Um, she's lost her last three in a row, but one of those was a very close fight to Hannah Cyphers, who we'll talk about later on the card. Uh, I just think when you have a the way DraftKings is set up in terms of rewarding finishes and things like that, I am going to take the submission specialist against the girl who always gets submitted every time. Viana at $8,000 with a, a really very real chance of a first-round submission. She's going to be in my lineup every night. I don't know if she's going to be in my core lineup. We'll talk about why later. My only real uh, hiccup with this is, you know, you might want to call it the Chael Sonnen rule where – if a Brazilian fighter comes in dominant, but then comes into the UFC and starts losing all losing fights, I don't know. You draw your own conclusions on that one. But <laughs> but Pollyanna Viana, uh, eight eight thousand dollars. She's going to be in my lineup. 
Obviously the next one is a little difficult. And like I said, I've been checking it uh, the entire show to see if odds would drop on the next fight. They still haven't. So I'm curious how that would affect for DraftKings. But Alex Caceres uh, is going to fight Kevin Kroom, who I barely know. And most of what I know about him is from you. So uh, take a wild guess on where you think this might fall in terms of the Jeff King numbers. And if this is one that you would be targeting, if it's within a certain range. Uh, yeah, we might have a gift on our hands. Uh, Cause one thing about this card is a lot of the higher end fighters that you want to target for your core. They're going off at 9,300, 9,200, 9,100. Alex Caceres right now is going off at 7,400. I was even going to play him when he was still going against Chikadze. Uh, I think he had a good chance in that fight, but against the absolute world beater that is Kevin Kroom. Basically, what's going on on with Kevin Kroom, by everything that I can tell, is he is the dollar store version of Jason Knight. He he is a guy that, uh, from every highlight that I was able to watch, I watched a couple of his fights right before I went on the air. He comes after you hard. He comes out swinging, always goes on submission. Uh, goes for the submission, rather. He's got a couple of of notable fights, one against... um, uh, oh, sorry, what is it? Felony uh, Charles Bennett. I have to change my notes because apparently he doesn't like being called the other no, one. No, he does not. He'll yell at you and cuss at you if you do it. <laughs> yeah. And he actually is the, uh, he was the first uh, career opponent of Justin Gaethje. And we're talking about how much he goes for submissions. He got KO slammed out cold by Justin Gaethje when he had an arm bar on him. Uh, scrappy guy, but Alex Caceres, good fighter. You never really know what you're going to get by him. He can show up some nights, sometimes he can't. The joke I have about fighters like him is if you grew up in the 90s, you remember Pop Quiz Popcorn? Do you remember that by any chance? Yes, yes I do. Okay, that's exactly what he is. You put him in the microwave, you never know exactly what you're going to get when he comes out. That's Alex Caceres, but for a guy that in this particular fight can score as much as he will for $7,400, I'm going to be over him as much as I can, I'm really hoping that line doesn't change. I don't think it will, actually, because I've seen this a couple times recently with fighters being taken out because of COVID. Uh, so Alex Caceres is going to get locked into a lot of my lineups this week. Okay. Next up, Zach Cummings. In terms of like just straight odds, he's about even with uh, Alessio DiCirico. As uh, me and Mike talked on the podcast, we thought it was going to be more of a decision towards uh, DiCirico. Uh, where does that fall for you? And also, obviously, what the DraftKings – Keep saying it's salaries. I keep wanting to say odds, but I know it's salaries. Yeah, salaries. Uh, for this fight, this is a strange fight because like, like you guys said earlier, this is about as close to a pick as anything you're going to see on the card. Uh, when it comes to Zach Cummings coming in at $8,400 on here, uh, three and two out of his last five, but you look at his record, 23 and seven with 12 submissions. Then you look up at uh, DiCirico, and four submissions. He's only got four losses in his career, but his four submissions might even be kind of misleading. I looked up the records of the guys that he was fighting. All of his submission wins were against guys who either had no victories or a losing record. So I don't know how good his ground game is. So when it comes to somebody like Zach Cummings, oh, I don't know. Dietrich only been submitted once in his whole career, but Zach Cummings, I think in the smaller cage especially, He's going to be a guy that can press him up. He might be able to outwork him. If it, if it manages to stay standing, though, like Mike was saying, Ticharico, he's got the power. He's got the technique over him on the feet. For me, though, Zach Cummings at $8,400 is a little bit of a better play. Ticharico at $7,800, he's not a terrible play for that price. He has a really mm-hmm. high finishing rate. You know, he's looked good against solid uh, competition. And for his price, I like him a little bit more than Robbie Lawler and a little uh, a little less than Mackie Patalo at uh, – at $7,800. But for me, Zach Cummings is the better play. And we'll get into underdogs later. But Chirico might not be a bad one. We'll see. Okay. 
Okay. Well, next up is the absolute like barn burner, most anticipated fight of the entire fight card. Mallory Martin is fighting Hannah. I fight every six weeks ciphers. And I mean, I can only imagine that everyone has to have this fight in their lineups. Otherwise they're going to lose. That's all I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Hannah ciphers. Uh, you were joking about her earlier. Fought twice recently. Uh, both pretty bad losses. Once to Mackenzie Dern by armbar, which if I remember correctly, she took Mackenzie Dern down in that fight, which is, that's not obviously, smart. Obviously, fight IQ. Yeah. It's genius. <laughs> yeah, but then two, two weeks later, she goes in in uh, June, head kick, drop, beaten to a pulp, and then submitted again. Uh, two and four overall since coming to the UFC. Zero finishes since joining the UFC. Really strong for her size. She's got that farm strength, which is not you know, not a good fighter facing Mallory Martin, 26, six and three, two knockouts, one submission going off at $8,900, uh, 8,900 for anybody that doesn't understand slur, as I just said, but, um, yeah, she, you know, she lost her last fight against Werner Jandarova. No shame in that. Before that, she won five straight with three stoppages mixed in. She's bigger. She's better everywhere. She's more aggressive. It's in a smaller cage. I think she has the ability to win inside the distance and score a lot of points doing it. So for $8,900, I like that. Uh, Cypher's training out of a local gym. Uh, Mallory trains out of Elevation right now, I think with Roxanne Modafari. And uh, I can't remember the other one, sorry. Uh, but, you know, for me, Cypher's is a stay away. I don't think she has any chance in this fight. Mallory Martin, 8900 Mackie Patolo, who we have joked about, was someone who we didn't know, blindly picked strictly based off his ethnicity yeah we do that sometimes and <laughs> he won and then he kind of just became a uh, in show um just enjoyment um although we're not picking him here uh for the show but uh, in terms of DraftKings, you got mackie patolo who has said or it was either him or his coach has said that he wants to stand and trade against impa kazanani still 100 percent sure i'm saying that wrong <laughs> um who has some serious power and likes to throw hands uh is this one of the fights that you're gonna have to have on your lineup um, yeah, Impa. So let's start off with Patola real quick. He's going off for $7,700. Did you just say his coach said he plans to stand there and bang with Impa? I cannot remember if it was this. This is information from well, the, the other mic that it was either from. Bring that up is because yeah. that, that's that's cute. That's that's awesome that he has the plan to stand and yeah. bang. I don't think Impa has that plan. <laughs> so, I, but going off Patolo, you know, he's 13 and six, seven KOs. Like you said, he does like to get in there and throw. Won three of his last five, but he's lost two of his last three. His last one, he was actually doing really well up mm. until he shot in for a takedown and got caught in the guillotine, submitted, but he didn't take any damage in that fight. The fight was still three weeks ago. You got to factor in weight cuts, things like that. Um, Patolo, more of a brawler, like a technical brawler. He's going to leave openings when he's in there. He likes to go for the finish. But Impa Kasanagania, I, I, I don't know how to pronounce that name. I don't think you did either. No, 26 years old. Bit. <laughs> yeah, 26 years old. He's 7-0, two knockouts, five decisions. Uh, just like Patoli fought three weeks ago on Dana White's Contender Series. I uh, took a lot of damage early in that fight. He was getting lit up a little bit. But once, and I've seen this in a couple of his fights that I've watched, he turns it on as, he go, as, he, as the fight goes on, and he seems to get stronger. He's a guy, he doesn't have a lot of pride. He's going to go for that win every time. He's not going to try to knock you out. He's not going to try to do any of that. He's going to try to win the fight. And he is built like a brick shithouse. He, yeah. I heard Mike talking about him earlier. His, the lower half of his body doesn't make any sense. And this is a yeah. dude who's got some power, a freak athlete. And if on the only concerns I have about him is he hasn't really been a pro for that long. If you look at his record, all of his fights have taken place, all of his pro fights in the last 20 months. And that's seven, 
seven fights within 20 months. And that's with a year long layoff in the middle of it. That's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. And like, but, but getting into that even more, his strength, the schedule prior to the Dana White contenders fight, he only had one opponent with a, with a winning record. And, you know, he went against, did this, he went to a decision against three of those other five that didn't have great records. So, but again, this is a guy who wants to finish. He's incredibly athletic. He fights aggressive, great top control, patient fighter with a win above all else attitude. So $8,500, I think he's not exactly a lock, but I like him a lot. I think he's going to win this fight. Uh, Patolo is going to come out and look for that KO like he always does. So in terms of DraftKings, if you're looking for a guy who might score that early points for you, it is MMA. Anybody can be knocked out. He's going to be uh, kind of mid-range on my underdog picks. But for me, Casanagana. Okay, next up, we joked about this. Obviously, this is like the third or fourth time this fight's been made. Though only one time it actually went to completion, I guess, in the best way you could term that. But Magomed Ankalaev is fighting Ayan Kudalaba. Likely going to be a finish here. Is How does this work where you have likely going to be a finish on one side, but there's a chance for it on that other side? Oh, this is where you just press draft and you pray a little bit. <laughs> but uh, now, one thing I wanted to mention, you were talking about it earlier with Kutalaba coming back really quickly from COVID. If you follow him on Instagram, while he should have been in his peak COVID era of being sick and blah, 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 he was training like a madman in his garage. I don't think that affected him even a little bit. Uh, but here we go with this fight. It's the rare occurrence of a trilogy fight where the first two fights never really happen. You had COVID <laughs> taking the first victory or the referee taking the second, and now the fighters are going to settle the third. So I kind of like that. Uh, going with uh, Magomod and Kaleoff, uh, $9,000. He is a pricey guy on this one, but I think he's worth it. He's 4-1 and one in his last five with three wins in that stretch. The only loss of his entire career was against the Bear Jew, Paul Craig. Um, we're talking about a guy that judges range really well once he's inside the cage, and that is uh, kind of a kryptonite for a guy like Iwan Kutalaba, who's just going to come in there and try to draw you into a firefight. Uh, but in on the on the other side, it is Iwan Kutalaba, fifteen and five. He's got twelve knockouts, two subs, and I love this price at seventy two hundred dollars for a guy who was going to try to draw his opponent into a firefight like that. I mean, he kind of fights like a more technical version of Wolverine. He's three and two in his last five, just loves to get you in there and wants to draw you in. Uh, the last fight was a little weird. I think he feels like he might have needed to do that little tricky thing where he fooled everybody into thinking. It's kind of funny we have Robbie Lawler later on this card because he's the only other mm -hmm. guy I've ever seen fake hurt in the cage to that extent when he fought Manhoof. But for me, it's Ankalaev by TKO. I think he's going to do what he wants, and I think he's going to finish him inside the distance. Um not for nine thousand dollars, I like it, and I I kind of like him more than somebody like uh, Ricardo Lamas at ninety two hundred, or I'm looking at even Grasso at ninety one hundred. Out of those three, I like Ankalaev better. Kutalaba at seventy two hundred dollars, he's everything you want as a dog, the walking definition of a punter's chance, and I, I'm gonna have him in some of my lineups for sure. I, I play a lot of them. He's gonna be in them, but Ankalaev uh, ninety. 200 let's go or 9,000 I'm sorry let's go okay you had mentioned briefly just now at the uh, I believe you said 9,100 Ricardo Lamas minus 260 versus a late replacement was supposed to fight Ryan Hall now Bill Algio um <laughs> been waiting on odds for that I was actually happy that they dropped in time for the show because as of yesterday when I was making the notes they didn't exist um is it similar going on with uh DraftKings for there were they because it yeah. seems to be that they dropped those even earlier than the fight odds yeah, uh, Algio is coming in here, super cheap, $7,000, late replacement. 
Uh, I'm not sure that Jimmy fights out of now, but I know in the past he has fought out of TriStar. So for whatever that's worth, he has had very high-level professional coaching. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of his fights, so I just looked up a few stats on him. Uh, he's a busy fighter, averages 8.9 significant strikes a minute. He's type of fighter is going to meet Lamas in the middle of the cage to throw down with him, which might be what Lamas needs. Um, he fought very recently, won a three-round decision just over two weeks ago. Uh, he's a black belt on the ground, solid Muay Thai on the feet. Uh, the rap on him, he, he'll, he'll beat the guys he's supposed to beat, but then he gets in there and he loses the guys like Shane Burgos and Jared Gordon, where on the other side of the cage, we have the big favorite, $9,200, Ricardo Lamas, 38 years old, 19 and eight, six knockouts and five subs. This is a guy who goes for the finish every single time. Um, he, let's see here. He's never been submitted. Algio, six of his 13 wins by submission, but I don't see that happening for him tonight. Ricardo Lamas, He's not. He's on the downside of his career for sure, but he's still that guy that should be able to beat guys like Bill Algio, who can't beat a Shane Burgos or a Jared Gordon. And Ricardo Lamas doesn't like to go to decisions. This is a guy who's going to meet him in the middle of the cage, and he's going to throw down with him. I think Lamas can pay off big time at ninety-two hundred dollars. He's going to be in a lot of my lineups as well. In the best female fight of this fight card, as I mean Mike said earlier, uh, Kim is fighting Grasso. Obviously, Grasso is a huge in terms of the betting odds. I can only imagine she's just as big in terms of the DraftKings odds. How's this going for the co-co-main event? Yeah, the, the odds maker is not too concerned about Grasso going up in weight, uh, even though she's going to be giving up size and a lot of reach to Kim. Uh, Grasso, two and three in her last five, three and three overall in the UFC, coming off that loss to Esparza. She hasn't fought in over a year, and she hasn't KO'd anybody since 2014. That's not really her game, but she does have the ability to overwhelm you. Oh, overwhelm you with volume kim on the other hand 30 years old coming in at seventy one hundred dollars uh three and two in her last five coming off a knockout win but that was the first stoppage of her ufc career another one that's not going to pay off real big with wins typically i think her average was something like 53 points uh, i don't have it in front of me right now but i'm pretty sure that's right um she has severe reach advantage uh i think it's six inches for me, it's Grasso by decision. Uh, when women tend to fight to more decision, then Grasso is not a finisher. $9,100. I'd rather take Lamas or Ankalai off at that price. But if you can afford her, if you've mixed in your lineups other in different ways and you don't want to trust Lamas or Ankalai off, Grasso is not bad. You can throw her in there. She'll score you some points. For me, Kim is a stay away. You know, she's bigger and can use her size to pull off an upset. And yeah, it's a stay away for me. I wouldn't recommend her. In the coming event, Robbie Lawler, the one time welterweight champ and or lazy strike force middleweight is fighting against neil magny uh tough veteran rangy perpetual underdog is actually a massive favorite in this fight in the co-main event how is this looking on the DraftKings perspective lawler versus magny you guys mentioned it earlier disrespect robbie lawler <laughs> uh seventy six hundred dollar price tag on him it's sad to see it's sad. as if 2020 couldn't get sadder <laughs> man uh is interesting thing about this fight former training partners these guys used to train together at the old hit squad when uh when neil magny was coming up magny was at hit squad i never knew that yeah really early on wow. uh, he actually he gave an interview not too long ago where he credited uh fighting robbie lawler getting beat up by him but like not getting killed by him actually uh. as the reason he knew that he could be a professional fighter so we're saying uh, he's going into this fight when they start fighting he might be having flashbacks <laughs> just like the Rocky Five flashbacks every time he, <laughs> every time he gets punched. No. Like, oh. just, yeah. 
Um, you guys were talking about Robbie Lawler earlier, I, you know, just repeating a couple things real quick. Coming off an extremely long layoff, hasn't fought in over a year. He took this fight on three weeks' notice. I, I don't know what kind of gas tank he's going to get in. You guys mentioned that he might need to get an early knockout. The problem is Robbie Lawler isn't that guy anymore. He actually no. hasn't knocked anybody out inside of three rounds since 2015 against Jake Ellenberger. And I, I just don't trust this older version of him, this inactive older version who's getting mopped up by guys like Colby Covington. I don't trust him to get in there against a taller, rangier guy who can throw vicious knees and keep him at range. I don't trust him to get that knockout. That, that, mm-hmm. uh, it's sad to say he's just not that guy anymore. So for me, you got Neil Magny coming in, $8,600 on DraftKings. Well worth the price. He's going to stay volume. You know, he won his last two fights. Uh, you know, he did the right thing after the knockout loss that he took. He took over a year off, got himself right. Seems to have come back with a lot more technique. Um, you know, and he's at a full camp for this fight. He was supposed to fight Jeff Neal. He's going to have a better gas tank, I think. So Magny, $8,600 by decision. I think he uses his reach, stays safe, and uses his really good clinch game with knees when it gets close. I don't think he's going to stop Lawler or really even, you know, stay busy enough to hurt him too bad. But I do think he's going to win the fight. Averages 71 points on DraftKings and three-round decision. I think I think he's worth it, $8,600. Robbie Lawler, we'll talk about him once we go on our underdog picks. But you might want to take a shot on him if you want that. But for me, he's a stay away. In the main event got anthony lanhart smith versus alexander rakic yes i'm assuming that i'm probably spelling sounding his last name out wrong saying it wrong spelling it wrong you name it i need one of those special things i could press where it just speaks for me or i could have siri no siri's bad at that too you know what i'm, I'm kind of at a loss here but uh in this main event obviously rakic he gets he goes for the finish he has some serious power, and he's huge in terms of the uh, favorite odds. So I can only assume he's almost just as steep in DraftKings. How's that looking? Uh, he's actually not as bad as some of the other big favorites. He's coming mm-hmm. in at $8,700, which for me, bad. I love in this particular fight. Nine knockouts, one submission, and 12 wins. I mean, this is a guy, he's a finishing machine. This is a guy that you want to play in DraftKings, a guy who's going to go out there and head kick Jimmy Manowitz head into the fifth row. Uh the only hiccup he's had in his, since his first fight in his professional career, which was a loss, the only hiccup he's had since then is an extremely close win against Vol- I'm sorry, loss against Volkan Ozdemir, which you said earlier, most people had him winning. Uh, and this fight, just stylistically, when you look at the way these two guys fight, I think people are going to be, be surprised when they see how much bigger Rakic, Ratchet, Rakic, whatever, how much bigger he is once they actually get into the cage. Because Anthony Smith, you know, he's a big guy too. But physically, I mean, he's coming up. He came up from middleweight to 205. Rackage is a legit 205 guy. And not just that, Anthony Smith fights with that really wide base style that he has mm-hmm. where his legs are going to be out, uh, where his legs are going to be spread out wide, which for a guy like Rackage who throws so many leg kicks, I mean, he's going to chew those up all day, I think, which is going to e- open up a lot of stuff, maybe another head kick. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We're talking about a guy that could pay off about 120 points here. Uh, not just that, I, when you look at... Anthony Smith, who was going off for $7,500, you know, pretty big underdog here. You guys already talked about his loss to Glover. I mean, my God, when you're handing your teeth to the referee and he's putting them in his pocket, real tough for me to cheer for you three months later. Real tough. But uh, we're talking about the only real path to victory for 
that I see for Anthony Smith right now is that Anthony Smith has to use his black belt in jiu-jitsu to get this fight on the ground and maybe maybe try to work something there. The problem is, like in the Justin Ledette fight where we've seen with Rackage, when he gets on top of you, man, like like another guy with uh, with an itch, uh, you know, Mir Filopovich, when, that, when strikers like that get on top of you, man, they start throwing those. Like we've seen Rackage in that Justin Ledette fight. That guy, he's got some good top control, some good ground and pound. So for me, it's going to be a real rough night for Anthony Smith. I've got, I'm all in on Rakic. He's in on my, you know, on my core picks. You know, eighty-seven hundred dollars finishing machine. I love him. So for me, Anthony Rakic. Now you mentioned a few times uh, over the course of going th- through these fights that you have your your core roster, your core picks, your core like of these ones, which ones are like you have to have them in in your opinion obviously that you would put them in the majority of your lineups obviously i know you you have multiple lineups but that like the ones that you hit for well, just about every one of them yeah yeah the well the idea of the core lineup is that you have those fighters that you think are foolproof the guys mm-hmm. that are are going to lose so you want to have typically anywhere from 3 to 4 of those and the way draftkings is set up is they're going to cost more because they're almost you know they're much higher likely or much mm-hmm. more likely to win that fight and then from there you have to really delve into the cheaper fights to see which one of those you think is going to pay off so for me guys like Sean Brady and Kalayoff Lamas Rakic like those guys are core guys but on this one on this fight card man we might be getting a gift in Alex Caceres because mm-hmm. if that doesn't change and he stays at 7400 oh man it's red panty night it is red <laughs> panty night all day because of Bruce Leroy so we'll get back to that just follow us on Twitter at MMA for money uh whatever you are I'm at Mikey Gills with a Z we'll keep you guys updated for the rest of the uh for the rest of the week but those those guys like a Brady Ankalayoff, Lamas, Kasarov, Rackage, some combination of those guys. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, we're going to talk about like the dog picks because that's really where we get the the money, the value that we're trying to give you with this segment of the show. So for me, I kind of have them listed in order of my favorite to least favorite. Um, I had Alex Caceres in there already, so delete that one. But uh, Viana, we amazingly a dog, mm-hmm. eight thousand dollars for a girl that I think is going to submit her opponent. Probably pretty quickly. That's a, that's a no-brainer for me. I'm going to be playing a lot of her. Uh, Patolo, we already talked about that. He, he's going to go out there swinging. Don't know how it's going to work out, but it could work out. That's the that's the whole point of this. Seventy-seven hundred dollars, man. If, if, if we've seen slow starts from uh, you get We'll just call him Impa. We've seen slow starts from Impa before. Patolo could catch him. You never know. Uh, Dietrico, another good striker going up against Cummings. Seventy-eight hundred dollars. The same way, another two that people are going to love here: Kutalaba and Lawler. Seventy-two hundred and seventy-six hundred dollars, respectively. These are both guys with the same path to victory, just going out there and clipping their opponent, and knocking them dead early. I, I kind of like. I'm going to play both of those guys in certain lineups just because you have to. And mm-hmm. then seventy-one hundred dollars. You got Kim. I mean, a bigger fighter taking on uh, Grasso coming up in weight. And she, you never know. We've seen we've seen fighters struggle with that before. Seventy one hundred dollars for a six inch reach advantage mm-hmm. and a big, and you know much bigger size that might pay off as well. But in order of my dogs, I had Caceres, Viana, Patolo, DiCherico, Kutelaba, Lawler, then Kim. The rest are stayaways for me. Um, and outside of that, uh, what else you got for me? Well, I'll tell you what we could do is uh, it depends which way you want to do it. We could either do you can give two of obviously not like your favorite but two of your favorite mock lineups we could either give them out on the show or if you want to take a little bit of time on it you can uh type them out on your twitter in successive tweets 
And then we will share that and spread that out a little bit later in the week if you want some time for that as well as to give out. Obviously, you do multiple lineups. We won't be giving out every one of your lineups, but just say like two that you're feeling pretty good about if people want to try DraftKings for the first time or something like that, just to have a little stake in the game. All right, well, cool. I've got one that I've that I've only got playing in a uh, 100-person game. So this isn't – this is one of my favorites. There's two that I've been battling back and forth. I'll give out one of them. These, this is one of my top two. It's Ankalaev at 9,000, Brady at 9,300, Caceres at 7,400, DiTarico at 7,800, Lawler at 7,600, and Rakic at 8,700. So I've got that going. That gives you $200 remaining salary out of your $50,000 budget. I like that lineup a lot. And if uh, if you're in that 100-person game, do the little men in black memory wipe. I don't want you playing that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, with that, you're six out of six. You're under your salary cap by 200. So even if the Caceres lineup does change a little bit, who knows? You might still be able to fit them in there. That's awesome. Well, obviously, this is just a feeling out period of seeing what we're going to do with this segment. But I think it went well, and we'll find out how we could end it more cleanly next time, just because I'm trying to think of something else that I can give to you to spread out to them. But it's going to be one of those things that by all means, if you are watching this, whether it be live right now, Twitch, YouTube, Periscope, we love you. Watch this now, communicate. If you're watching this after the fact, let us know what you want out of this segment, what you want to hear from Mikey, because we want to have what you want to hear. So if you want more mock lineups, if you want him to break down uh, any aspect of the DraftKings side, because obviously not huge on DraftKings, he is so to get that information from him let us know what you want to see and we will spread that and we will start having this be a little more formalized of a segment obviously this is a first go and it's not going anywhere so you can look forward to mikey gills just about every single week that we can get him on here he will also be someone that will fill in whenever me or real mike or mike however we're going to do this uh, can't make it he will be able to step into that spot so you're going to be uh, seeing a lot more of mikey here well he if you can quick read through your line up again just one more time and you do that then i will review our bets and we'll start signing out for the night yeah well really quick right before i read this lineup i wanted to uh, make it a point to thank you guys for having me on the show and giving me this opportunity to talk DraftKings with you i've been listening to your show for a while and this is just a really big honor for me uh just you know getting that out of the way thank you guys uh you and mike i'm sure you're still listening um, <laughs> uh real mike as we have to call him but uh the DraftKings lineup that i'm going with that we just gave out is ankalaya for nine thousand. Brady for 9,300, Caceres for 7,400, DiCirico for 7,800, Robbie Lawler for 7,600, and Rakic for 8,700. And again, out of your $50,000 budget, that will leave you with a $200 remaining salary. So if you don't like one of those picks, you can pull one of those guys off and substitute them with maybe a slightly more expensive guy or even a slightly less expensive, depending on what you want to do. Fantastic. Well, and also just to, to review the bets for this fight card, because obviously we're giving you both. We're giving you a that's a free lineup right there from someone who plays all the time. And we're giving you two free bets. Always. We always give you free bets for this one. We have one point two five units to win one unit on Impa. That's just to win the one unit there. And then we have one unit on the former champion, Robbie Lawler, at plus 210. Because of that disrespect, that's one unit to win two point one units. And you know what? We won't just be back next week, me and Mikey. Mike will be back next week. We have a threes company going on here, and we will be back next week to preview Overeem versus Sakai. Do not forget to subscribe to us on your platform of choice, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast Podcasts, RSS Feed. Remember, subscribe to the show on YouTube. Yes, if you're watching us live on YouTube, hi. 
how are you doing? Don't forget to subscribe to get breakdowns of this, breakdowns of the DraftKings, breakdowns of the bets, breakdowns of just funny sayings and recaps. It's there for you to get you through the week till you see us or hear us again. Like, comment, share, spread the word. And with that, let's roll. 